I want to want to help you today. Genesis chapter 37. I'm going to start in verse one. The Bible says Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about him. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made him an ornate robe. And when his brothers saw their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Then Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and he told his brothers, listen, he said, I had another dream. And at this time and this time, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I, will your brothers actually come down and bow to the ground before you? So his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Sometimes your brothers will get jealous of you, but true fathers won't get jealous. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, as you know, your brothers are gazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I'm going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks and bring word back to me. And he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. And when Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, what are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They've moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. They saw him in the distance. And before they reached, before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Now come, let us kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. So Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that I'm in a room full of dreamers today. Here are your dreamers. And we thank you today that you've put dreams in our heart, things that you desire for us to do. I pray today that as we begin to talk about the life of Joseph, that you would help us, that you would help us with the things that you have put in our heart, that you would help us interpret them correctly so that we can, uh, so that we can apply them correctly in Jesus name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. There's a, there's an interesting thought here that is Joseph is approaching them. And the Bible says this, the Bible says that they as he's walking towards him, that they are plotting against him. They're plotting to kill him. And I think something that is important for us to recognize today is that the enemy is 
plotting your demise. And the enemy has a plan for your life. But whatever God has planned for your life is greater than what the enemy has planned for your life. I need you to understand that, that even though they may be plotting against you, God is planning that you would accomplish everything that he has called you to accomplish. And that gives you great strength because what you start to realize is you start to understand that I wasn't born and then chosen by God. I was born because I was chosen by God. So my, my birth is actually a response to some issue that is in the earth. And God uses me and he uses you to solve problems that are in the earth. And so my birth, your birth, is the response to somebody else's need. That's why I'm here. See, God does not want you to just pray. God wants you to be an answer to prayer. God does not want you to just intercede. God wants you to intervene in the affairs and the activity that are in the earth. Now, I love this story because it's also a story about a family that's really broken. Joseph and his brothers, so much of their competition comes from the fact that they have different mothers, that their father, Jacob, has not really always done things correctly. Their family is broken in many, many ways. And even as Joseph gets uh, betrayed and sold into slavery, their, their family becomes even more broken. Their father becomes even more broken. Their, 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 their home life becomes even more disturbed. And I love this because what God does is God uses this broken family to establish his family. And I need you to understand something today. I know that many homes in here are fractured and broken, and they're not together as the original unit that they started off to be. But can I tell you that God uses broken families to establish his family? Can somebody in the room say, thank you, Jesus, that you can use my broken family to establish your family? Your broken places are not a reason for God to overlook you. They are the reason that God will use you. Why? Because God does not get any glory from your strengths. Amen. His power is always displayed at its greatest in your weakness. So there's a lot to this story. And there's a lot that I'm sure you have heard over the years. But the thing that I want to talk to you about over these next two weekends is I want to talk to you about a man who was able to get from this place of what you meant for evil, God intended for good. And the journey of that statement is bigger than that statement. That's a very brief statement that Joseph makes at the end of this story. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. It takes a long time to get from what you meant for evil to what <laughs> God meant it for good. Can somebody in the room say amen? It takes a long time to get to that statement and from what you meant for evil to God meant it for my good. So I want to show you a person who that even though he comes from a broken home, a broken family, a broken background, difficult situations, I want to show you a person that God was able to trust with increase because he was a person that anything God gave him didn't stop with him. And I want you to hear me. If God can get something through you, 
He will not stop giving things to you. Do you hear that? The most important aspect of Joseph's life was that he could be trusted to whatever God you give to me, I will make sure that it gets through me. In other words, God will keep opening doors for people who will leave the door open for somebody else. But if when God, I like this section over here. Y'all ain't helping me out today at all. But if, 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 if every door God opens for you, you shut it behind you. You don't keep it open and prop it open and make sure that other people can get through. Because here's the thing. Joseph's real gift was not interpreting or even having his own dreams. Joseph's real gift was interpreting the dreams of others. The thing that unlocked increase in Joseph's life was not his ability to dream. It wasn't his ability to even interpret his own dreams because he did a really bad job of interpreting his own dreams. His real skill, the thing that opened up the windows of heaven over his life was his ability to interpret the dreams of others. And I want to talk to you about a person who can mature to the point where every dream that you have stops being about you, but it becomes about the people that God has placed in your life. You are blessed to be a blessing. And if God can get it through you, he will never cease to do it in you. Joseph was 17 years old when he started having these dreams. 17. And the problem with our dreams when we're young is that we think all of our dreams are about us. Right? Having dreams is one thing. Properly interpreting dreams is another. When you dream but you are spiritually immature, your dreams are about your elevation. And every dream that you interpret wrong, you don't execute right. Every dream that you interpret wrong, you don't execute right. And so as Joseph, the dreamer, is coming, and I'm thinking his brothers are like, he's had another dream. Why else would he be all the way out here other than to tell us in his fancy coat that he's had another dream? And so as he's approaching them, the Bible says they're plotting to kill him and Reuben has this idea that, well, let's just throw him in a pit. Reuben's plan was to come along and rescue him later. But that didn't end up happening. They ended up selling Joseph away. And then Joseph ended up getting sold again as a slave in Egypt. And his life began this path and this plan that he never thought was a part of the dream. I'm sure when you were young and you were thinking about your life and you were thinking about your future, there's a lot of stuff that's happened to you that was not in your dream, that was not in your plan. I think some of the things that happened to me in my 20s, I didn't expect in my, when I was 17 years old. Some of the stuff that happened to me in my 30s, I didn't expect when I was in my 20s. And some of the stuff that's happened to me in my 40s, I, I did not expect them to happen to me when I was in my 30s. And I think every decade brings with it another level of the experience that is the dream that God gives us that can sometimes be full of nightmares. So this dream turns into a nightmare and Joseph's life is radically changed, not because of something he did, but because of something that was done to him. He was ultimately he was betrayed by his brothers. 
And in the life of Joseph, you see a story where Joseph turns and he looks at his brothers at the end, and we're gonna talk about this a little bit next week. But he turns and he looks at his brothers in the end, and he said, what you did to me actually sent me ahead of you. Can I, can I explain something to you today that you're not gonna like, but it might make some sense to you now, and it might make some sense to you in the future when you get through what you're going through right now? Betrayal is God's vehicle of elevation. It's the way that God sends you ahead of everybody around you. You're just blending in with everybody until you're betrayed and God pushes you ahead. Betrayal feels like it's a setback. Betrayal feels like it's the end, but betrayal is actually how God transports you into the future ahead of everybody around you. Because here's the place God wants you to get to. Can you not only help the people that you love, but can you help the people that hurt you? And at some point in your life, God is going to do something so great in you that he's going to ask you to help the same people that hurt you. Wow. And so if you're a dreamer in the room, here comes the dreamer. I want to talk to you today just briefly over these next few moments. I want to talk to you about six attitudes Every dreamer must have. This past Wednesday, we talked a little bit about the idea that God wants to increase us. We talked about some of the ways that we limit the increase that God wants to do in our life. And, and the main way we limit God is in our, in our belief system. The Bible teaches us that Jesus, he went to his hometown and he wanted to do some incredible things there, but because they couldn't receive him for who he was, they couldn't believe on him, he was unable to do, the Bible says, many mighty works. So in other words, Jesus was able to do some small things, but not many mighty things. And I think sometimes in our life that we are living on the level of our expectation. We're living on the level of our belief. And I think we get to a point sometimes where you know, things get to a place where it's like, oh, this is good. This is a good work. But, but we, we forget that God doesn't just want to do good things. He wants to do mighty things. And we kind of settle in. And maybe we've been disappointed and maybe we've been hurt by others. And maybe we've even dis been disappointed in God. And so we settle in. And when God comes to town and when God comes through and when somebody maybe even stands up in a, po in a pulpit like this and preaches or from a stage and they say, God wants to bless you. You're like, yeah, but maybe not a lot. <laughs> and so our, our limitation of God equals limitation of ourselves. So we're living at the level of our expectation. We're living mainly at the level of our belief. This is a clear teaching in scripture. And so in order for me to see the fulfillment of the dream that God has given me, to see it through to its end, I have to change my attitude. I have to change my perspective about what the dream could possibly be, what the dream could look like. And if I have a dream that doesn't anticipate trouble, 
then when trouble comes, I'll give up on the dream. But I love the tenacity of Joseph that he's even working in a prison. Like he's even scheming and dreaming and strategizing in a prison. He's, making, he's developing relationships and he's like, when you get out, don't forget about me. Because if you're not careful, you'll get thrown into pits and you'll get thrown into prisons throughout your lifetime. And instead of studying them, you'll complain about them. But I love that Joseph was able to study his pit and to study in his prison. And he was able to come out of places that should have been places of decrease. He came out stronger than he went in. And what I want to encourage you in is the plan of God was not that the church or, or you or your family would come out of 2020 weaker than when you went in. The plan of God was that you would come out of this stronger than you have ever been in your entire life. It was a pit that wasn't meant to demote you, but to elevate you. And you were like, but I lost my job. But my family fell apart. I'm, I'm dealing right now with a friend whose marriage has fallen apart through COVID. His, his wife got addicted to alcohol and drugs and she's left him and their marriage has fallen apart. Difficult things have happened to people over the past year and a half, but Still, the plan of God is not for you to decrease there. He looked at his people. He said, while you're in Babylon, do not decrease. When they went into Egypt as slaves, they went out 70 and they came out millions. I just want you to know, and I want my friend to know if he's watching today, that what the enemy meant for evil, God will eventually turn it around for your good. And so if you're going to fulfill the dream, you have to hold on to the dream. You have to hold on to the dream. Six attitudes every dreamer must have. First of all, you must have an attitude that says, God, increase my faith. Increase my faith. Romans 10 and 17 says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. And I think the assumption that we make is that, man, if I'll just hear more preaching, then I'll get more faith. And while that may be true, that faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. The problem with this faith that stops at hearing is it's a faith that only comes through. It doesn't remain. Faith comes by hearing, but faith remains by obeying. That's why a lot of you are like, man, I went to church and I heard a word, but my faith didn't really get increased. That's because you didn't apply the word you heard. Come on, somebody. But I listened to a lot of podcasts, but listening to a, pod, a lot of podcasts is not going to give you a faith that remains. It's going to come through. But the only way the faith remains is if you obey. Because the only way to increase your faith is to see your faith actually work in your life. It's the only way. The only way for your faith to go stronger is for your faith to be proven right. For your confidence in God to be proven right. For your faith to be proven to be 
what God said it would be in your life. The Bible teaches us that we are saved by grace through faith. Faith is the means by which we access all of the promises of God. And I hang on to that promise until I see that promise fulfilled in my life. I hang on to my salvation through my whole life. And even though that's a promise that doesn't seem to be fulfilled in this life, sometimes you can feel saved and feel unsaved. But I hang on to the promise because I know when I close my eyes on this side, I'll open my eyes with him and in his arms on the other side. So I don't just have a faith that comes through. I have a faith that remains. I'm saved when I feel like it. I'm saved when I don't feel like it. I'm saved when I'm good. I'm saved when I'm bad. He saves me. He does the work. He does the redeeming. And so I hold on to that promise. And in the same way I hold on to the promise of my salvation, I hold on to the promises that God wants to bless me, that he wants to prosper me, that he wants to fix me. He wants to do something in my life. He wants to heal me of my diseases. I hold on to those promises. I hold on. Saints who have held on to promises all through their life. I've seen saints healed at an old age. I've seen saints never healed. And they actually weren't healed in this life. But what happened is they got healed in the next life. They held on to that promise of healing and God did it. So I hold on to the promises. I don't want a faith that just comes through. I want a faith that remains. Faith is only increased when we see faith work. There's a lot of people that have a faith that comes to them, but very few people have a faith that remains in them. And the way you get your faith to remain is to see your faith work. Jesus said to the disciples, as other people were leaving him and abandoning him, because they had a faith that came through. They just came through to see Jesus. Come, some people just come through to church to see what's happening. And then they go live the rest of their life and the rest of their week, they do whatever they want to do. Some people just come through, but some people remain. And Jesus said, are you guys going to walk away too? He said, what are we going to do now? We found out that you alone have the words of eternal life. What are we going to do now? They told the disciples, hey, you need to shut up and be quiet. They said, nah, man, we've seen our faith work too much, seen too much, can't go back now. And there's some of you in the room that the enemy has thrown a lot of stuff at you, but you have just seen too much to go back now. I've gone too far to turn back now. I need an attitude that says increase my faith. I need an attitude that says enlarge my capacity. Isaiah 54 and two says enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. What I see today is a lot of Christians are holding back. Well, you know, I don't know about the gifts of the spirit. You know, I don't know if God still does miracles. You know, maybe that was the thing for the book of Acts. Maybe they just needed it because the church was getting started. Maybe we don't really need miracles. Who are you? What? We don't need miracles anymore. God ceased to do miracles, then what is the point of all of this if we don't serve a God who can interrupt the natural and do something supernatural? What's the point? So I'm like, God, enlarge the place of my tent. Enlarge my capacity to believe. Somebody was like, hey, did you hear about all the craziness that's going over on that church? I'm like, at least they believe God can do something. 
People say about us, you, you know, Calvary's weird. They scream and holler and yell and dance. Well, at least we believe God can still do something while you're sitting there with your hands in your pockets, paying your religious respects. We serve a supernatural God and we're going to go to our graves believing that he can interrupt the natural with the supernatural. He can heal any disease. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Oh. Enlarge my capacity. The word enlarge means to go beyond, to make more room. We pray about a lot of stuff, but do we actually anticipate our prayers to be answered? Enlarge the room. I love it. There's a story in the Old Testament about a, about a woman who a prophet kept coming by her house, and she looked at her husband. She said, hey, he keeps coming by all the time. We should just make room for him. <laughs> okay. Somebody's like, Robbie, all these people keep coming to your church. You should just make room for them. And we are. We've already got a plan together. We're going to bust this wall out right here. We're going to extend this sanctuary and we're going to build and we're going to, we're going to put an extension on this side of the, I wasn't even going to tell you this today, but we just voted, our elders voted last week. We're going to build a bigger lobby and a space we're going to extend. We're going to connect these two buildings. We're going to remodel and do, yeah, it's going to be fun. So yeah, it's going to be awesome. We're going to enlarge, go beyond. Make more room, increase capacity to break out, break through. So she goes, she goes, this guy keeps coming over. Let's just, let's just build a space for him. She didn't even realize when she was building this space that she was making a space where she would see a miracle in her life that she didn't even know she needed yet. She builds this room. The prophet's so overwhelmed. He says, what can I do? He realizes, hey, she doesn't have a child. So he's like, hey, you're going to have a child. So she has a child. You know, back when prophets didn't miss it all the time. <laughs> they can't even get an election right now. But <laughs> so, so back, back when <laughs> he says... I just can't ever get away. He's, he says, uh, he says, yeah, uh, what can I do? So she has a kid. Then the kid has heat stroke and dies one day. So she goes and she tells the prophet, she's like, you did this to me. So you're going to fix this situation. So he goes back home. And where does he tell him to put the boy that's dead in his room? She created a room for a miracle she didn't even know she needed yet. And when we start this project, you're going to give into a room that's going to be full of miracles you don't even know you need yet. Woo! I feel that. To expand, to go further, occupy new territories, no limits, no boundaries. Number three, we need an attitude that says, God, challenge my excuses. Isaiah 41 and 10 says, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You see, when the brothers threw Joseph in the pit and they took his coat, 
it seemed like all had lost. He lost the coat. This wouldn't be the first coat that Joseph would have taken from him. But Joseph, it would seem as if, oh, he's lost the coat that represents and designates the favor of, of his dad. Oh, how, how are the dreams gonna be made possible? Because now, look, it's the opposite of the dream. In his dreams, he's standing above his brothers as they bow to him. In his reality, he's below his brothers as they look down on him. And until you see the exact opposite of your dream happen, you haven't really had a dream. <laughs> so he could have made excuses. He could have blamed everybody else, but he didn't. He could have said, I just, I don't know what to do in life anymore. I don't have my coat. <laughs> you know? And that's a little what a lot of people do. Bad things happen to them. Things get disrupted. Things don't go according to plan. And they just start blaming. Well, you don't know, you don't know everything that happened to me, Robbie. So if you knew everything that happened to me, you'd be making the same excuses I was making. But I can find somebody that's walking on the same water that you're sinking in. In every situation. The problem, the problem becomes that I, I can develop, if I'm not careful, because of things that have happened to me, a lifestyle of making excuses. Where it's like, well, I mean, if you knew my if you knew my birth, if you knew my background, you knew the family I came from, you know, if if you knew the 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 way that the system was skewed against people like me, you would if if you if you understood how the world works, then you would it's like I get all of that. And I get that man can make systems that are skewed against you. But you serve a God who's Lord over every system. So it doesn't matter if men throw you into a pit, there's really no excuse for why now that you have been taken out of the pit, that you still have the mind of someone who's in the pit. You're not there anymore, Joseph. Well, Pharaoh, you know, Potiphar, I'd love to, I'd love to work for you, but I, I just, I, I'm just not over the pit. And some of you are like, that's, that, who would do that? But we do that all the time. We do it when, when we refuse to, 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 to expand our vision for our life because of things that we were in at one time. So God challenged my excuses. Why? Because they can take your coat, but they cannot take your dream. They can take your coat, but they cannot take your favor. They can take your coat, but they cannot take your calling. They can take your coat, but they cannot take your character. Listen, even your reputation is in the hands of people. But people cannot take your character. 
I'd rather have character than the coat. I'd rather have a calling than the coat. I'd rather have, listen, the coat represented the favor of his dad, his natural father. I'd rather have the favor of my heavenly father than my natural dad. So I want to tell you, if your dad never gave you anything, you don't even need what he was going to give you anyway. My dad was never there for me. You didn't need him in the first place because you have a father that's better than the, than the father this life gave you. Give me my calling over the comfort of a coat. Fourth thought, break my limitations. We talked about this a little bit in enlarge my capacity, but I want to I want to use I want to I want to turn this into something a little bit different from from that. Jeremiah 32 and 27 says, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is there anything too hard for me? And I've met a lot of people, even myself who have been so preoccupied with their survival that they cannot succeed. I'm just so preoccupied with, will I, why? Because if I can't control the outcome, I don't wanna try it. If I'm not in control of how this turns out, then I'm not sure I wanna do it. So many times God has asked me to do something and he hasn't really shown me the outcome. And so I don't do it because I don't like to do things when I don't know the outcome. Like what's this going to look like ultimately? I appreciate this dream, but what's the outcome of the dream? I, I, I appreciate that, yeah, everybody is going to bow but what's the outcome of everybody bowing? What's the price I'm going to have to pay? See, I don't think I don't I, see. That's why that's why some some people in here, you're a dreamer, but your life, it, it ends at your dreams. It doesn't go beyond your dreams, because when you look at a dream, you think about the price you're going to have to pay to see that thing come to pass and you never reach for it, you never try it, you never do it because you feel so limited in your ability to control the outcome. And if you are preoccupied with your survival, you will never succeed. And everything that's been connected to my destiny didn't feel familiar to me. Everything that's in my life that's been about my future didn't feel familiar because if it feels familiar, it's either your present or your past. The reason, the reason your future feels so unsafe and so uncertain is because it's your future. You've never been there before. None of us have ever been there before. But the good news is, is you serve a God who's already been where you're going. So he says, don't be afraid. I've been there. Not only have I been there, but I'll be with you the whole way. Whew. Is anything too hard for me? That's why, man, I, I said this on, on Wednesday. I want to repeat this. This is an important point, is that sometimes when God brings people in your life that are bigger than you, if you're not careful, you'll get jealous. But the reason God brings people in your life that are bigger than you is because God's trying to feed you. Because you cannot really feed me if you're not bigger than me. 
That's why it's important. That's why sometimes people, people get to a place and they say, and I understand this, there, there, there are two sides to this, where somebody gets to a place in a, in a body or in a church and they say, I just wasn't being fed anymore. Anybody ever heard that? Well, first of all, you have a responsibility to feed yourself. Like you're grown now. But also there is another part to that. There is another part to that, that if you are spiritually mature, you're looking for spiritually mature leadership because you, you want to be fed. And so it's like, it's, like a, it's like a father who feeds his child and the child grows up and learns to feed himself and then he begins to feed. But I, I, don't, I don't want my kid to take the spoon and feed me his applesauce. That's what some people feel. So, ah, break my limitations. If you're not careful, you'll, 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 you'll come to a place and God will introduce somebody to you that's bigger than you and you won't be humble enough to let them take the spoon out and go... You won't like that. You won't like it. But if, if you'll realize that God brings bigger people in your life to feed you, to give you a picture of where he's taking you, you won't grow jealous. You won't compare. Another thought. I think I'm on five, right? Release my inheritance. Release my inheritance. See, the request in Luke 15, the request of the prodigal was not an unrealistic, uncommon request. Give me the part of the inheritance that belongs to me. The dad didn't go, you're not of age. He didn't say, you're not ready for it. He released it. The problem was the prodigal wasn't ready for it. But what he asked for was his. And I think sometimes with God, we look at that and we're like, because he asked for the inheritance, he was, he was disrespectful to the father. Now, part of it was disrespect because of the immaturity of the son, but it was a reasonable and legal request. And I think we see that and we're like, I don't want to be the son that asked for his inheritance. I don't want to be the one who asked for too much from God. I don't want to bother God with my issues. I mean, God's got bigger fish to fry than my problems, right? Like there's real issues in the, no, no, give, release my inheritance, God. Release it. What is my inheritance? Well, can I say that many of you have been asking too small. Psalm 2 and 8, the psalmist says, God says, ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance. The ends of the earth 
your possession. What? You've been asking too small. Ask me, and I will make, I will give you the nations as your inheritance. A church that only wants to reach a city is thinking too small. A church that doesn't believe that they're connected to the inheritance that belongs to them in the nations of the world, you're thinking too small. A believer that doesn't believe that everything that God owns from here to the end of the earth is my possession as well, you're thinking too small. Oh my goodness. How do I put this to you? To help you understand this, the Bible taught the the children of Israel, God taught them that wherever you put your feet, I'll give it to you as your possession. Think about this. Maybe God has you in a place that you don't like, but he does. And he wants it. And he's got you there because if you're there, you can take it as your inheritance. Maybe the business doesn't belong to you, but what if the people there belong to God? And you're like, I hate this job. God's like, I put you there because those people belong to me and I want them and I want you to see them as your inheritance. I'm not asking God for anything but everybody in this city. And I realize that everybody in this city won't come to Calvary Church, but that's not what I'm concerned about because God loves every single person in this city. So we want them all. They're our inheritance. I want this entire state. I want this entire region. I want when people to think of the Southeast, they think of a church named Calvary Church with this gray-headed pastor and these rowdy people who do rattle better than even Elevation does rattle. Just heads up, Stephen Ferguson. I love you, Broad. I appreciate you. Thanks for writing the song, but we do it better. I, I, I want, I, that's what I want. And I don't want you to limit yourself to thinking Romania is our inheritance. Like we didn't plan a church there to, because we wanted to, Florida and Mirabella to have a nice little thing to do when they're, when they're home. We planted a church there because Ro, Romania is our inheritance. Come on, the nations belong to us as our inheritance. And church people were just like, God, you pay my bills. That's so like, I want to give you nations. As long as you, that's, what did we just say? We need to increase our faith because most of us has a faith that, most of us have a faith that believes that the lights can stay on, but doesn't believe that Romania could be saved. God, give us, where, where are the, where are the Billy Grahams and the Reinhard Bonkies and the people that said, The nations belong to God. 
we've become so preoccupied with our own survival. God help us. Release my inheritance. Lastly, open up my resources. Deuteronomy 28 12 says, the Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty. He will send rain on your land in season and he will bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but you will borrow from none. Open up my resources. Remember, God does not just want you to pray. Oh, he wants you to pray. But more than that, he wants you to be an answer to prayer. Remember that God does not just want you to intercede. God wants you to intervene. So God, open up my resources. I want you to know, God, anything that you give to me will flow through my life. It's not gonna stop with me. It's not gonna end with me. God, help us. This is, and, and God begins to do this for you when you stop thinking in years and you start thinking in generations. Because when Moses, or when God came to Joseph about this dream, this dream was not just about establishing Joseph in Egypt. This was about establishing his family for generations. When, when God put this dream in Joseph's mind, he, he was thinking about you and me. And so whenever we give, whenever we open up and give of the resources that God gives to us, we're not thinking about just how this is gonna impact us. We're thinking about how is this gonna impact the people coming after me because from one generation to the next, the Bible says they will declare the praises of God. One generation will declare the story of God from generation to generation to generation. I'm thinking now, if the Lord tarries, I'm thinking about my great-grandkids and my great-great-grandkids that are gonna be in this house. I don't know who the pastor's gonna be. Probably won't even be a Hilton by that time, but by that time, God will still be blessing and he will still be moving. This property won't be big enough. We'll have to have sold and moved on to something else by now because this is a house that's not just for us in our lifetime. This is a house that is for generation and generation and generation and generation. So God, release the resources of heaven so we can fulfill your dream. Will you stand to your feet with me, Jesus? We thank you. Thank you for your word today. We thank you that you still have dreamers. Every time I see the parking lot filling up with cars, that, that, that line fills my mind. Here come the dreamers. And all of us live in a world that wants to destroy the dreams that God has put in our hearts. And so some of us can come in here very fatigued, very, very lost, very, very broken, hurting, confused. And I don't want us to come into an atmosphere that that pushes your dreams further and further away, but I want us to come into an atmosphere that says everything that God put in your heart to do, he is faithful and he will do it. So let's believe him 
in Jesus name. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this room today, you say, Robbie, I don't know Jesus as my savior. I've never given my life to God. Maybe you've even gone to church and but you've never made Jesus Lord of your life. You've never said, God, I want you to live in me, live through me. I want you to save me and forgive me of my sins. Maybe you've never done that before. Maybe you have, but you feel like you are disconnected from God. You're away from God. Maybe you've been doing your own thing and going your own way. And today you want to make a new decision to follow Jesus with all of your heart. If that's you, I'm going to count to three. And when I do, I just want you to throw your hand up in the air. and We're going to pray for you. And believe in this moment that God is going to supernaturally change your life. And this is a promise that you can hold on to in Jesus name. So if that's you and you say, Rob, I need to give my life to Jesus today. That's you. One, two, three, throw your hand up in the air. I see you. I see you. Anybody else? I see you. Anyone else? I see you over here. Anybody else? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Come on, church. Let's pray this prayer together with those that lifted their hands. Let's say, dear Jesus, thank you that you love me that you gave your life for me. I give you my life. Take it all. Have your way. Use me for your glory. I repent of my sins. I confess you as Lord. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's put our hands together and thank God for those who lifted their hands today, made that decision. Powerful. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here today. Our prayer team will obviously be up front. Would love to meet you and pray with you. Thank you for coming today. God bless you. We'll see you, see you very soon.